0: So excited to be here and excited that you guys get to see a little bit of Jonathan Enrigo. So Jonathan, he worked in youth ministry. Well, he went to the youth ministry back when I was a youth pastor. I had the privilege later on of uh, marrying him and his wife, and now they have a child. Uh, And he worked as a a youth pastor. When I stepped out of youth ministry, I brought him and one other guy that I was investing in. His name was Matt Greeno. Those two guys took over for me at my old church in the youth ministry, and they did an incredible job. And Jonathan, he's one of those guys who loves investing in people, loves building up leaders and teams around him. And one guy that he grabbed on early was a, that guy, Rigo that you saw on the screen. And so rigo has been helping us back home at Central. They've done some incredible things. They built a, a young adult ministry from scratch. They have about 50 people meeting in, in a house every Monday night for young adult ministry. Uh, Jonathan, when he was the youth pastor, he was in a, a youth group of about 200 people. And uh, actually, our youth group just went up to, to summer camp this last week. We brought about 150 students Junior high and high school students to summer camp for an entire week. They got to learn about Jesus, be discipled. Many came to Christ. Now many are getting baptized. And that's some of the work that you guys have seen here at South Valley. That's what we want to continue moving forward into the future with next generation ministry. So I hope you guys are excited about it because I know that I really am. And one thing I I noticed when I was meeting with you guys uh, in preparation for for this, being the the lead pastor here, I was talking with parents. And parents, uh, they they were asking, hey, what are your thoughts about youth ministry? What are your thoughts about youth ministry? I I can't tell you how many moms, how many dads, how many young people were asking me about youth ministry. And I want you to know youth ministry is going to be a priority here at South Valley. And so I'm really, really excited about it. So these guys, uh, they'll be joining me when I move out here. So I'm, gonna be, I'm in the process right now of moving. Um, I'm going to be out here full-time starting in August, late August. Uh, we're, we're transitioning, working on the house stuff, working on the move stuff. Jonathan and Rigo are doing the same thing. Um, it's scary, just got to admit, it's really scary uh, moving your family. Uh, but you know, what's, you know what's cool is I feel like you guys have already embraced us in so many ways. And so I just want to say thank you so much for praying for us and just showing us hospitality, it really means a lot to, to us. And uh, today, what's, what's kind of cool is I'm actually close enough that my, my dad, my stepmom, my grandma, and a few friends, they all drove up today to, to worship with us this morning. So that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Now, I have the privilege this morning of kicking off part one of a sermon series I'll be preaching titled, What Would Jesus Pray? And so the first sermon series we're going to do here, when, I, when I'm finally here full time, is it's going to be on prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore some of Jesus' most famous prayers in Scripture, starting with the Lord's Prayer. So I'll I'll do part one of the Lord's Prayer today, and then I'll wrap up the Lord's Prayer when I'm back here in August. But the reason I wanted to begin my time with you with a series on prayer is because it's become really clear to my family throughout this transition that everything we do in this season needs to be bathed in prayer. Everything. John Wesley says it this way. He says, God does nothing but in response to prayer. John Piper says it this way. He says, there aren't any victories in the Christian life without prayer. South Valley, I want to encourage you in this new season to pray, pray, and pray again. Because if we want to see victories in this church, if we want to see a lasting impact happen in this community and beyond, then everything that we do must be bathed in fervent prayer. And so that's why we're going to start with a sermon series on prayer and to help aid us in our own prayer lives. We're going to take a few weeks to explore the prayer life of Jesus. So let's pray and jump into it. God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for Jonathan and Rigo for their willingness to step out in faith, to come out to this new community with a new family and new congregation and just invest in the lives of young people youth through young adults and I pray that you would make them successful I pray that many people would come to Christ that we would see students discipled and grow developed into leaders and that we would just see this church thrive and be healthy and we know that in order for us to be all that you want us to be we need to pray there's power in prayer there's power in united prayer when we're all praying for the same things. And so I pray today that you would make us a people of prayer and that we would see your fingerprints all over this community. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now, do any of you guys remember these bracelets? I'm going to show them on the screen here. You guys remember those? Amen. WWJD bracelets. Now, back in the day, these bracelets were on the, on the rage. Okay, this was back in the 90s, a.k.a. the greatest decade of all time, right? Amen. <laughs> Anybody? Okay. The 90s. Now, back in the 90s, everybody wore these things. Okay. Uh, Kids wore them, youth, teenagers, moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas, believers, unbelievers. Everybody wore these bracelets. Uh, They all kind of had different colors, but the letters were always the same. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Now, whether or not these were actually cool, I can't say. Okay. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt today, so I don't know. I don't know what's cool and what's not cool. But I know a lot of you greeters wear Hawaiian shirts, so I'm I'm with you guys today, all right? So, everyone wore these things. What would Jesus do? And it was a great question to ask, because in every circumstance that you you approached in life, you're challenged to think about that. Whether you're at school, you're at work, you're driving down the road, whatever you're doing, you're you're challenged to think, what would Jesus do? And and it's a great question, because it really sums up well what, what we're called to be as Our calling as believers, as Christians. The term Christian is the Greek term Christianos, and it simply means belonging to Christ or follower of Christ. And in the early Christians, they were called Christians because they lived and loved like Jesus. And and so I feel like that question, what would Jesus do, really sums up well uh, just the Christian life. But I want to be honest about it for a moment and just acknowledge that living like Jesus is hard. If back in the 90s you were so cool to wear one of those bracelets, then you know that that it could be convicting at times. Living like Jesus is the hardest thing that you will ever commit to in this life. It's a challenge. And so sometimes when I was wearing this bracelet back in the day, I was realizing like, oh man, this is more of a reminder of what Jesus wouldn't do. Because on a regular basis, I would do things or say things that Jesus wouldn't do. Maybe you can relate Maybe you're driving down the road, someone cuts you off, and like Jonathan, you struggle with road rage a little bit, and, uh, and maybe you say something that you shouldn't, or you do a hand gesture that you shouldn't. I don't know. Jesus wouldn't do that. Maybe you're, uh, you're at the restaurant, you order some food, and the waiter is taking forever, and so you grumble and you complain, and then all of a sudden it hits you. Oh man, Jesus, he wouldn't do that. You see someone in need. You look the other way because you're in a rush. And then it hits you. Oh, man, Jesus wouldn't do. So for me, when I had that bracelet, it was like all day. Oh, man, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't do that. Maybe you felt the same way. They're awesome. And it's a great question. But if striving to live in love like Jesus has ever discouraged you, I want you to know you're not alone. You are not alone in this room if you struggle at times to live in love Like Jesus. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And that's because it could only happen if you are filled by the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit of God can empower you to live like the Son of God. And do you know where we access power in the Christian life? Power to live like Jesus. Power to change and grow. We access power right here. This is where power is found in the Christian life. If this church wants to become all that it can be, it starts right here. If you want to become all that you can be, it starts right here. If you want to see your kids become all that they can be, it starts on your knees. That's where power is found in the Christian life. And so I'm going to challenge you, South Valley, join me in being on your knees praying for this church. Does that sound like something you could join me in? Well, if you want to be a part of this, I want to give you some tips on prayer. What would Jesus pray? What would Jesus pray? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, and this is what Jesus says. He says, pray then like this. Now, this is a prayer that you've probably heard a million times. You probably memorized it. You may recite it. But one thing you might not realize about the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus didn't just give this as a simple recitation prayer for us, okay? He didn't give this and, and say, basically, just repeat this over and over and over and over again. No, He gave us this prayer as a, as a guide for prayer. What He's saying here is, is when you pray, pray for these things, cover these different categories. Now, the structure of the Lord's Prayer is pretty simple. There is a preface, and then there are six petitions. You'll see it here on the screen. So there's a preface, and then six petitions. Petition number one is, hallowed be your name. Petition number two is, your kingdom come. Petition number three, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Petition number four, give us this day our daily bread. Five, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And six, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's how the Lord's Prayer is broken down. There's a preface and then there's six petitions. The first three petitions or requests are directed at God and they call attention to God's greatness and God's power. The last three petitions or requests are directed at the daily needs that you and I face as human beings. And so for today, we're going to look at petitions one through three of the Lord's Prayer, the ones that are directed at God. And as you saw on the screen there, before there were any petitions, any requests, there was a preface and it was captured in one word. And In the Greek, it's an important word. It's the Greek term pater, which means father. Now, it's easy to overlook the power of this opening word, but in the Greek, you can't overlook it because if you're reading this passage in Greek, it's the first word of the prayer. The first word of the prayer is Father. Now, this is amazing news because Jesus is essentially teaching us that that when we pray, we get to access God in the same way that he has access to God. It's a reminder that when we pray, the God that we worship, the God that we serve, He's personal, relational and imminently involved in our lives, and because of Jesus, we have access to Him. He delights in the name Father. He, he allows us to come to Him like a child approaches their Father. That's the God we worship. But he's not just Father, He's our Father in heaven. So He's imminent but he's also transcendent. He's personal, but he's also magnificent. He's accessible, but he's also humongous. That's the God that we get access to. And Jesus is pointing out that you and I, because of him, we have access to the God of the universe. And when we call out to God, when we pray to God, we get to call out, Father. Let's think about this for a second. What if I told you that my dad, so it's, it's great that he's here with us today. What if I told you that my dad was the president of the United States? John Hemi, president number 47 of the United States. Arguably the most powerful man on the planet. And what if I told you that if you ever needed anything, you could go to my dad in my name and make your requests known? How would that make you feel? If you had access to the President of the United States and you could bring whatever it is that's heavy on your heart or heavy on your mind, if you had that access, how would that make you feel? I'm hoping you'd feel powerful. I'm hoping you would feel like you could actually change the world. Okay, some of you right now, you want to go sit and talk to Biden about a few things. You would love to do that. And you'd especially love it if he would listen to you. God invites you, and he listens to you. And he's way more powerful than Joe Biden. He's way more powerful than any earthly power. He's way more powerful than any kingdom. He is ruler and creator of all. Lord of lords, king of kings. And guess what? He invites you to come to him with your requests. That's how Jesus begins this prayer. Our father, Now, we're used to hearing this idea of God as Father, but what we don't realize is that this would have been revolutionary in Jesus' day. You see, the Jews of Jesus' day, they wouldn't even whisper Yahweh's name. I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish service or ever heard Jews read in Hebrew, I've, I've done both, and I've taken Hebrew, I've, so I did go to seminary, so some people have asked me, I went to seminary, I got a Master of Divinity at seminary, I had to learn languages, Hebrew and Greek, and when we're studying languages, even in, in, when we're studying Hebrew, I noticed every time we would see the word Yahweh in scripture, or the capital letters Lord in your Bible, that's always Yahweh in the Old Testament, if you see all caps Lord, uh, people would say Adonai instead of Yahweh. And the reason why is because there was this great reverence for the name of God. Because what's that one commandment? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in what? In vain. And so there was this great reverence for the name of God. And Jesus isn't trying to get rid of reverence. But what he's trying to show you is that on the cross, he gave you access to the most holy place. And so you can say, Father. Romans says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons and of daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That term Abba was used by first century children when they, ta- when they called upon their daddy. It's the same term, the same word. And so the first key to a vibrant prayer life is to recognize that God embraces you like a gentle and loving father. Just as us dads, dads in the room, you get this. When your kids call on your name, when they come to you, you you love it. You love to hear from your children. And they don't have to go through all these rituals first. They just get to say, dad. And, and when, when you hear that term, dad, your ears pop up and, and you're listening intently because your child is in front of you. Guys, I want you to know you have the ear of the father. And since you have the ear of the father, you can change this world, this church, this community, because your father hears you. And, and, and listen to this. He doesn't just say my father. What does he say? Our father. What's this make us? If we're sons and daughters of the king, what's this make us, South Valley? A family. We are a family. And I feel like that's important to state, especially as we go in a new direction. Let me just tell you this. Traditionally, when a new senior pastor steps in, uh, people are... they're they're a little concerned, and, and maybe if something changes, they maybe get upset, or there's all kinds of different ways that things can go when a new senior pastor steps in, and I just want to encourage you in this season, remember, we're a family. We are the family of God, and I'm bringing my family out here. I have no family in town, so you guys are it, okay? You guys are it, and so I want to encourage you in this new season, treat each other like a family, No infighting, no no gossiping. Before each other, with each other, in each other's corners, praying our Father. So when we approach the Father, what do we pray? Well, Jesus gives us three things to pray. The first is he encourages us to pray that God would be first in our lives. And first in our midst. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That term hallowed is the Greek verb hagiato, and it means to honor as holy. And so the concern of the first petition is that God's name would be set apart as holy and treated with the highest honor. And, and, and the greatest example of this is actually Jesus Christ, Jesus was so concerned about the name of his Father. Everything he did, he wanted to do in glory to the Father. I'll give you a few passages. John 17, 4, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 31, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Praying, hallowed be your name, is a passionate plea for the glory of God. It's a a plea for God's glory in everything. God, be glorified in my life. God, be glorified in my choices. Be glorified in my lifestyle. Be glorified at my work, be glorified in my kids, be glorified at South Valley, Kings County, and beyond. In everything, be honored and lifted high. And people who genuinely pray this prayer, they have a deep longing to see the Lord honored in everything they say and do. And so I want to encourage you, have this prayer in your mind throughout the day. Hallowed be your name. My favorite preacher of all time, is a guy by the name of John Piper. And John Piper is still with us today. Uh, Maybe you've read some of his books or listened to some of his sermons. He's not somebody that everybody loves, but for me, he is my favorite. And the reason I love this guy so much is because his zeal for the name of God is contagious. Contagious. Every time he opens his mouth to talk about God, I get this awe, this, this realization that he's creator and I'm the creature. He knows everything. He's wise and supremely valuable and, and I am in desperate need. That he is gracious and good and even the, just the breath in my lungs today is a gift from him. Every time Piper speaks, I just get this awe of God. And what I love about him is because he exalts the name of the Lord. He says this about prayer. He says, why did, why did Jesus think prayer was so important for his followers? The reason is that prayer corresponds with the two great purposes of God that Jesus came to accomplish. And that's God's glory and our joy. Prayer is designed by God to display his fullness in our need. Prayer glorifies God because it puts us in the position of the thirsty and God in the position of the all-supplying fountain. God invites you to prayer, to pray and whatever you need, whatever you, whatever you bring, he's ready and willing to respond for his glory and for your joy. And so I want to encourage you, pray that God would be first. That's the first way we can pray like Jesus. The second way we could pray like Jesus is to pray that God would use us in kingdom work. Pray that God would be first. Pray that God would use us in kingdom work. Petition number two is your kingdom come. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now praying your kingdom come is a prayer for Christ to rule and reign over all. And so this prayer has a few things wrapped up in it. One is, is you're praying for the future coming of Christ. Okay, there's, there's part of that. Because one day when Jesus comes back and he restores all things, all things then, then, then heaven on earth will be a permanent reality. But in the meantime, it's also a prayer that God would spread his kingdom around the world and that he would use us individually and collectively for kingdom work. It's a call for Christians to pray and work for the continual advance of God's kingdom on earth. And it's a very short petition, as you saw there. But I'm just going to warn you right now, it's a very dangerous prayer. If you pray your kingdom come and you actually mean it, then you better be ready for your world to flip upside down. Because praying your kingdom come is saying to God, I'm ready. Whatever you want to do here on earth, in my community, in my family, I am ready. Your kingdom come. Use me. I'm ready. That means you are surrendering your life completely to him. Some of you might not be ready for a prayer like that. And so I want to encourage you, don't just recite the Lord's Prayer. Just saying it over and over again doesn't make it true in your life. doesn't mean that it's something that you want. Actually think about what you're praying for. You are praying, God, may your kingdom come here now with me. And it's a dangerous prayer. It's like praying for patience. You guys ever do that? I'm sure you gave up on that a long time ago, right? Every time I pray for patience, it's like every red light that day. Every long line, like nothing works out, and I'm, and I'm starting to get angry and irritated, and then it hits me, oh, I prayed for this. I prayed for the opportunity to learn this. It's a dangerous prayer. And actually, when I, when I think about this prayer, it makes me think back to an old prayer journal. My son, he pulled this old prayer journal out, And uh, it was back, I I think it started in 2006. Yeah, 2006 was my first entry. My son found it, and uh, he tried to turn it into a coloring book. Um, And so I I got some cool markings in there from him. But when I found it, I I decided to read through some of it and just kind of see where God has taken me. And I came across this prayer. I I want to share it with you. So this was in 2007, January 5th, 2007. Back when I raced motocross, and I, I worked for my dad at the time, too. We own a store called Hemi Hay and Feed, an awesome feed store. And I, I was loving life, but at the same time, I felt like God wanted to use me for, for kingdom work. And I just, I, don't, I didn't know if I was really ready to surrender to him. And then finally, in this prayer journal, this is what I said. So Sunday, I badly wanted to do well at my motorcycle race. I was injured, so I was injured that day on the last mode of the day. And now I'm out for a month. I hurt my back. And so I said, Father, I know that I need to keep in mind that you have a perfect plan. And all I pray is that you'd reveal that plan to me. I trust in you and in your will for my life. And I want to make a difference for you, Lord. I know that there are ways that you want to use me, but I just don't see them yet. Father, please give me wisdom and understanding. That prayer forever changed my life. It's crazy that I can look back. January 5th, 2007, this was a turning point in my life. Because when I finally meant it, that day when I prayed this prayer, I actually meant it. And I was actually willing to do whatever God wanted me to do. It's the first time. I used to, like many others, just lob up prayers But I never really meant what I said. If I was being honest, I was never really willing to give anything up. I was never really willing to to take any big leap of faith. I was never really willing to open my mouth and share Jesus with the people around me. I was never really willing to get to know uh, what God wanted to do in my life and how he gifted me. I would just lob these prayers up. But really, I was just really just interested in my own life and my own affairs and everything in front of me and my own desires. I wasn't really ready and willing to follow God. And then this day, everything changed. The moment I prayed that prayer, I, I finally gave it all to Jesus. I signed up that week for a ministry in my church Working with junior hires. That's why I like next generation ministry. Working with junior hires. Investing in in young students. I started seeing students come to Christ. I started seeing my friends come to Christ as I began to open my mouth and share Jesus. I began to see family members come to Christ. And then eventually my church said, hey, maybe you should be in ministry. And I finally, I have it in here where I said, God, if you want me to do this, I don't think I'm ready for this or that I'm qualified for this. But, but. I'm yours. And now I'm with you guys today. That's what prayer does. That's what praying your kingdom come actually does. Praying it and meaning it. Your kingdom come is a dangerous prayer because God is waiting for willing servants to help make this prayer a reality and when I think about one prayer that I hope every person in this room will commit to praying every single day in this season to come I think of this prayer may your kingdom come use me in kingdom work here and abroad God I want to be used by you because this is what Jesus says in Luke 10 verse 2 he says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore what Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you're ready to see God do something amazing, then I challenge you to actually pray this prayer. Go to your Father in heaven, pray that He would be first in your life, and begin to pray, Your kingdom come. God, Whatever you want to do with me, whatever you want to do in me, whatever you want to do through me, I am ready. I am yours. That's the second petition. The third and final one that we'll cover today is to pray for the faith to trust God's will. Wow, that's another hard one, yeah? Pray for the faith to trust God's will. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your will be done Lord whatever that is, your will be done. this last petition is is a prayer that your will that God's will would become your will and this Prayer holds significant weight because what you're basically saying is that as a child of the king, as someone who identifies as a son or daughter of the king, you're saying whatever God wants to do with me and wherever God takes me, whether it's easy or hard, whether I understand it or I don't, I still trust him. I trust that he's good even when life is hard. I trust that he's for me even when I don't understand it, I trust him even when it's challenging or stretching, whatever it might be. I'm excited for the amazing moments. His will is for his glory and our joy. I want to remind you of that. He ultimately has your joy in mind. When he's thinking about his will for you, it's good. It's perfect. It's, it's pleasing. It's, it's good, his plan for you. But sometimes his will is going to take you in directions that you would have never signed up for. Like L'Amour. (laughs) But what can I do? Your will be done. That's all I can do. That's all you can do. Your will be done. Who else had to pray this prayer? Jesus. Jesus, the Father's will for Jesus is way ch- more challenging than the Father's will for you. You see, the Father's will for Jesus was that he would go and, and live. Uh, he, would, he would leave his throne in heaven. He would take on human flesh, these broken, frail bodies that you and I have. He'd be born as, as uh, basically a peasant in, in a, a, a dumpy town. Okay, Bethlehem was not... The town everyone wanted to grow up in. His mother was only a teenager when, 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 she, when she had him. She was poor. She was marginalized. He lived a hard life. He worked as a carpenter. You imagine leaving heaven, the greatest place in all, in, in, in all of existence, being, being exalted day and night and, and taking on flesh and entering into this broken existence and then seeing how people are, how, how broken and sinful people are and coming be, because of them and for them and being patient and enduring with them. And then finally, going to the cross innocently without having done anything wrong. Going to the cross, being scourged, beaten, mocked, spit upon, in public, stripped. In public, the Son of God. No one should ever treat the Son of God like this. We treated the Son of God like that. And you know why? He endured it. He endured it for us. And he endured it because it was the Father's will. And in the garden, he fell on his face and he prayed. He said, Father, if if there's another way, I'm all ears. This is the moment. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And because the son trusted the father's will, the entire world has access to the father when they believe. Your sins can be forgiven. Your past can be forgiven. Your life can actually be changed. You can actually become a new person. That addiction that you're holding on to, you could actually leave that at the cross and begin to overcome it. All the guilt, all the shame, all the regret. Your high hand against God. Your rebellion. The big things and the small things. Washed away in the blood of Jesus because he obeyed the will of the Father. So, the big question I have for you today is will you pray like Jesus? Will you trust the Father in every season? Will you trust Him when life's exciting? Will you trust Him when life is challenging? Will you trust Him enough to obey His Word? We can't pray your will be done and then see scripture and see God's revealed. Okay, the Bible is where we see God's revealed will for our lives. And we can't look at God's revealed will and then, and then just ignore that and also say your will be done. Praying your will be done actually means God, I'm ready to obey, to trust you. And, and, and remember, I told you, where, where is power in the Christian life found? Do you guys Remember? On your knees in prayer. He will give you the power to do it. Will you obey him, trust him with the, with the clear things in scripture, with whatever special callings he puts upon your life? Will you pray your will be done? Tr- be done? Trusting God is one of the greatest risks that we will ever take in this life. But there will never be a more rewarding, more fulfilling path than the one he calls us to. And so South Valley, I invite you in this new season, pray with me. Pray that God would be first. Can we do that together? Pray that God's kingdom would would come. Can we do that together? And pray that God's will would be done for faith to trust in his will for us. There's no doubt that these are dangerous, dangerous prayers. And some of you might leave today feeling like, I'm not ready for that. But others of you, God is calling you God is working right now through his spirit to, to, to quicken you and awaken you to a new purpose and a new direction. And, and I want you to respond in faith because he has big things for you. He has big things for our community. And if we do this together, we can see his fingerprints everywhere here and beyond. We're approaching a new season of life and ministry. Bathe this new season in prayer because there aren't any victories in this church or in the Christian life without prayer. And before I close, one simple thing. Maybe you need one of these. I have a number of prayer journals. I now do my stuff on my iPad. I have an app called Notability. I record my prayers. Maybe this is a time for you to get a journal, start recording your prayers, and watch what God does. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the people in this room. I pray, God, that we would be a church who prays. I pray, God, that we would see you move through our prayers. I pray, God, that we would pray the Lord's Prayer over this new season. And I pray for this sermon series as, as we approach August. Once I get out here and we get settled, I just pray that you would use this, this series to help us learn from Jesus how to approach you and that we would see your fingerprints all over it. We love you and we praise you and we give this, this morning to you and our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. South Valley, it's great to be with you today. God bless. Have an amazing Sunday. If you need prayer, I'll be available here in the front. Have a good Sunday.